Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm here with Grandma Gutterpunk. How you doing, Mom? I'm alright. Well, we have an important show today, as you're aware, and uh, it's yeah, not the usual format. Say it again, Mom. Sorry. We have a very brave young lady on today. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, and it was it was strange because the creator was like, "Talk to her, ask her," because sometimes I don't know which direction to really go in. And uh, I'll get a lot of people that want to do things, and then a lot of them just. You know, they don't have the strength or something happens. They cancel it. They never reschedule it, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I did reach out to this woman, and it turned out to be uh, a lot more than what I... Bargaining for. Well, not yeah. I mean, I had no expectations, so bargaining, you know... Kind of goes along with you have expectations on a guest. This is not that case. I had no idea what to expect, Mom. You know, so, but, uh, it ends up being this very important episode and one of the more, if not one of the most important episodes we've done. And I appreciate you being here with me, Mom, and, and helping her through this in a time of crisis. And, uh, Gonna give you guys the heads up out there. Like I said in the description, this is a PTSD triggering episode. Um, if you're not prepared, you may not want to listen to this one. You may want to go through one of the many eclectic shows my mom and I have done. Uh, there's plenty more out there. If you're not in the right mind state to listen to uh, cases of uh, of uh, rape pedophilism, there's white supremacy involved in this, there's uh, a lot of harsh elements, uh, we do not joke around on this episode, I know a lot of them, I like to be funny, and I think, you know, by all laws of nature, laughter is one of the best forms of medicine, but in all, not in all cases. And it's just, you know, there ain't nothing funny about this shit. Nope. Um, so I do want to give you the heads up again. If you're not prepared mentally, don't listen to this, okay? You agree with that, Mom? Yeah. Have some kind of bearing, right? Definitely. All right, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and get into it. And, uh, all right. I'll see you guys at the end of the show with information on how to contact us and all that good stuff. So hold tight. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. Um, this is an important show. You know, I've been doing some shows that have had, uh, obviously, there's some level of importance in all my shows. Right, Mom? Oh, yes. If it doesn't strike a chord, we don't do it. Um, and, you know, this show's no exception. I think this takes it to a higher level of consciousness that I've been kind of talking to you about, Mom, and, like, hitting these higher levels of, like, you know, reaching out to help people. And today in the uh, studio, we have an anonymous friend, 
she's agreed to do the show with us, and uh, we want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for being here, you know? Thank you. I, uh, it is a serious thing. I want to talk to you guys about it. And, uh, Mom, do you want to start this thing off? from an early, early age, I mean like three or four years old, all the way to the age of 11 or 12 when I finally managed to get away from them all. And uh, it had fused my insides together and years later, after being labeled a pathological liar for years by my mother to protect her father and her husband, I, uh, all my stuff was fused together and they had to cut apart what they wanted to take out to do a hysterectomy. So a normal quick surgery took them like seven hours. And, uh, I had finally had the proof. I sent copies of it around to my family, written at the top that says, who's the pathological liar now? You know? Yeah, it's it's torn my life up, but like you, I'm trying to transcend that and reach out to help others who are going through the same types of situations, because there wasn't anybody out there when I was going through. Now they got Covenant House, they got the Runaway Railroad, you know, I mean, they didn't have none of it. Yes, that is true. It, there was nothing out there during my time, you know, between late 60s and the end of the 70s. Yeah, that's when all this was going down with me, too. I was born in 61. Yeah, I was born in 64. I'm one of the last of the boomers. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. The last year was 64 for me. Yeah, because my dad made me and was shipped to the Mekong Delta within a week. He couldn't even make it home from my birth, but I was born in his hometown, at least at the same hospital he was born. My dad didn't know none of this. All this was going on while he was in Vietnam. And when he finally found out about it, and uh, he wanted to kill him, and my grandpa split for uh, Scotland, and my stepfather split for New Mexico, went to the Badlands. That is very hard. I had a half-sister from him, and I used to have to grab, grab her and climb a tree when he was beating on my mom, and I'd stay up in the tree until the neighbors called the cops and the cops got there, and then I'd climb down with the baby. Because he was always threatening to grab his kid and split, and I said, oh, no, you ain't getting Cindy. Forget it. I know what you done did to me. You ain't getting her. 
You had to kidnap the baby, Mom, basically. Well, Mama would have the baby sitting up in her carrier because whenever shit started getting fuzzy, she'd put the baby in the carrier. And that way I could just scoot the carrier up and go up a tree. I see. She knew I could out climb it. That scared the heart so basic instructions, grab the baby and climb a tree. I was just glad to have permission to climb a tree. <laughs> well. No, actually, I hated it. It was traumatizing every time it happened. I was going to say. One of the joyful spots was I actually did have permission to climb a tree for once. And it's to hide from a mom. <laughs> my mom's the only one I know who's done it. It's up to people like us to give messages to younger people, and the and stories. That's why the Me Too movement's still going. Well, you gotta reach out and let people know, and get them to talking about it, so that we can do damage control. Yeah. I really thought it was what happened to you. Um, it's sad. I have to go through that. Um, it's heartbreaking. Well, I just wanted to give you a little background and let you know there was somebody here that was definitely... Exactly, sister. yeah. Yep, That's that was one of the reasons I wanted to have my mom on the show, so that, like I said, you know, there was, like, this level of, like, safety, and, and I think she's offering that up, you know, where, you know, she has been hurt on, on, on levels that a lot of people haven't been... And I think that's one of the things I wanted, because I think this, this this episode's really delicate. It's a delicate, it deals with complex issues that are just going on. They're hard to address, right? And, well, um, I, I have to say one thing, you know, you are a strong woman to go through that. And you also yep. are a hero to reconnect for the first time in over 30 years. 
and uh, we we talk a lot on the phone and we video chat, sneak screenshots of each other. <laughs> that feels good though, that you're there for her. Yeah, my Cindy's there and she's not damaged, you didn't get her, and uh, I'm always her main man. I think you're her angel. Yeah. She calls me being me. <laughs> like a Siamese cat. That's cute, Mom. I bet. I, I, I feel sorry for that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people have gone through a lot of things. Well, unfortunately, in the South, a lot of that was common practice and still is. And the major malfunction is people won't talk about it. Yeah. Because we're taught not to air our dirty laundry in public. Yep. Yeah, well, we were brainwashed to have that. Hell, you're not wrong about that part either, because, Mom, haven't I had, like, 30 fucking episodes I've recorded and just been like, I don't know if I could put that out, dude. It was just that touch-sensitive, you know, like, it's just hard to fucking talk about some honest shit, right? It can be really uh, difficult. And around, it's happening, still happening today around the world. Not only, you know, here in the U.S., but everywhere. I mean, people have been traumatized by child molesters, by domestic violence, uh, wife abusers, you know, I mean, you know, I, I learned I learned by my mother, you know. I I, I was born in Manhattan. I was born in the slums in Manhattan actually. It was like two blocks away from Sandy Judy. My mother was Cherokee. My father father was a was a uh, a sailor. And he you know, he ported here in New York and he raped my mom. And um you know, not raised, and I don't know how it happened, but every time I got pregnant, it got pregnant. And, you know, my mom got raised, she was a Cherokee. Uh, my father was a sailor. Uh, he traveled the world, he was a well, he belonged to the, um, you know, Franco was dictatorship at the time, so he belonged to the Spaniard and partner. So he was the navigational um, pilot of the ship. He jumped ship. After he found out that he got her pregnant, I don't know how he got the word, that, that I don't know, basically. But she was trying to have an abortion, was born premature, uh, got four pounds. Uh, um, and then he stayed here, and, and Franco was looking for him, a dictator. His older brother was in the mafia here already, he was already here, a dictator. Hudson killed his uh, other brother, which we just killed in England. He's, he's um, buried in, you know, England. Anyway, so the fact of the matter is that uh, my dad always beat up my mom. And as I was growing up, he beat me up. I don't know if he beat me up as a baby. Um, um, of course, I got raped by a babysitter's son and paid before. As, as, I, as I got older, I started running away from home, but just the streets of Manhattan. 
all over the Hampton, almost into um, the Bronx, like the South Bronx, hanging out with friends. Never did heroin, did work out of those camps, that was a problem. Um, That's good that you never did heroin. That's A lot of people okay. can't say that in New York City. Yeah. I, I wasn't into needles, but I did, I did LSD once. I can't say that, but but I can say I've only done heroin less than the fingers on one hand, <laughs> and I've well, never got it. Well, the fact is that I, I was like very like you know my mother was telling me you know my my spirit is a falcon. I know how to survive. I did I did know how to survive through the concrete of Manhattan. I knew how to jump between buildings, climb fire escapes, try to escape from people. Maybe my father, Kelly from uh, CBGB, was seeing me. The whole neighborhood knew me. They would give me food, and they would uh, really go, come in, you know, but you can't, you know, I had to play ID. I was like dirt, 12 or 13, but I was pretty broke then. And uh, he, I had to I was ID. doing the same thing. I was running a bar in Houston at 12. <laughs> but I was like, ID that said I was 24. Yeah. I wasn't running no far, I was just, uh, I, I was just wanted to have some sort of fun up and, you know, and hide, you know, and kind of, that's what I was doing. And, um, you know, I was hanging out with Joy Ramon, I was hanging out with, uh, you know, like a lot of bands back then, Blondie, uh, you know, Dead Kennedys, uh, the Prismatic Buddies, Williams, you know. Yeah, I went up to Chicago and hung out with Tutu and the Pirates and Joan Jett and Blackbird. Like, hanging out, it was more like, they felt bad for me, they were to eat, because they was, I was, I was hungry, I was practically very skinny, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I was like seeing all the, uh, Rams for free, and, and just hanging out with Joey. And Joey was not the type that was kind of drink liquor because he had uh, lymphoma and he only drank soda pop. You talking about Joey Ramone? Yeah, and um, you know that's how he died, I, right? Lymphoma. Yeah, he, he was like just a young man. He was just like guy. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, I met me, and I didn't know who that fuck was. He was just skinny too, and. With lots of long hair and mustache, and and he grabbed me and he, you know, like forcefully raped, tried to rape me, and 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 literally, what I mean by forcefully, he actually broke my hips. I I had bruises all over my legs, and, and I uh, one this one stranger, one guy walked in, so what happened? Beat the fuck out of me. And he, that one, um, that bunch of measure was the, one of the groups of the House of Angels. I was there that night, and he beat the feet, him, my, him, and this other group of uh, angels that were going to street Plus the cop came, they both got arrested. Plus they got off the next day. I ended up in the hospital. I got, it was nothing serious. It was up the next day. I didn't want my parents to find out. Because the police just took a report, what's your name? And I was not giving my name. And, and you know, whatever. And then what happened was that I was kept up running away. And, and now the guy from the Angel says, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on you and with me. 
you know, just, you know, illustrate your job or whatever. And I said, well, I need a right to reservation. I need to give me a right to shut up. And they would give me a right on their motorcycle down the street. So they did the reservation. My mother knew where I was when I was kid. So anyway, my dad was wanting to convert me, you know, to become a Christian and all this stuff. He tried to put me in boarding school. And he put me in so many boarding school that I took the ring on and threw me back to New York. And he climbed out and watched it and whatnot. And then one time he put me in boarding school in Europe. And then I took a, uh, a flight back home. Like pretend that I was small, small as a child. And I got on the tram flight. And then I was like a, a daughter to some group of uh, you know, of, uh, a husband and wife and and I got on the plane for free, came back to New York. And you know, of course my dad gets to call that I became this thing. He was in New York and they're looking for me in Europe in New York City. The guy that that actually stayed there for money ended up to be my boyfriend, uh, you know, a couple of years later and it was we were six we were six years apart of course. And uh, you know, and whatever and you know, everything was just, you know, physical. My father would always beat me with a punch in the head or beat me whatever. And he choked me, or my thing with my mom. You know, it was really bad. I mean, it, it, it just it was bad, but it was an alcoholic. For his uh, his older brother was in the market. You know, he killed me. Obviously, he didn't. He was very nice to me. He would save me in the pump and give me a hundred dollar bill. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, at that, you know, I probably have a food I want to eat. Like, at that time, whatever, for example, a bag of anything that would stuff my face, you know, I was, you know, I was 10 days without eating. And um, I ended up burying the Hells Angels guy. I didn't want to have children. We didn't have intimacy for 17 years. And then my first child and last child was an individual because I, I couldn't get the uh, intimacy. And then Hold on a second. Well, Mom, go take care of the dogs, and thanks for being on this part of the show with us. Yeah, I gotta change the puppy pads and spread some bait out for the cats that the dogs will have something to chase. <laughs> thanks, Mom. Thanks for being here. All right. Pleasure to meet you. Yes, definitely. Your, um, your, thank you, thank you for sharing such a hard situation. Let's just call it that. That's the first. This will be the first time I've ever shared it. I mean, this is uh, going internet. She's she's gearing up to do the Grandma Gutterpunk episode we're working on. It's yeah. like the origin of Grandma Gutterpunk, and that's going to be coming up, you know. So I'm just letting you decide at your pace, Mom. You know. Yeah, I'm going through my story. All right, well, look, you get out of here, and I'll, I'll talk to you in a bit. You guys have fun. Okay.
Well, I guess it's just me and you now. So that was my mom. Sorry we were having these technical difficulties, but uh, we're going to try. I think the chopping's already gone. It just could be technical. Yep, it's already different. It's already different. I think it was just, there was too much juice there, man. My mom was pretty, like, amped into talking to you, though. She uh, has had a few guests that she's talked to and and not been so uh, reciprocal, but we did just finish this thing called Women's Week, and that's what she wanted to do, and... uh, you would have been a great guest on there too, and I, I just, you know, I think it's just the continuation of, of getting strong women on the show. Um, I've had a few fallouts with some of them, <laughs> but uh, I've had a fallouts with a lot of my guests, um, and I think what I'm doing is like kind of experimental in that in that end that it's like, a, it is a form of like mental health or like whatever, like a platform to be able to talk without getting judged. I'm not here to judge anyone, you know? That's true. And I I think that, you know, if I have had fallouts, it was for reasons that were, like, off the grid. And they weren't about what necessarily was spoke on the show or anything. So I'm good about that, you know? I'm okay with that. Okay. I don't know if Um, that made any sense. Okay. Um, and just, uh, you know, sometimes I analyze and register things in my brain that, you know, it makes sense to me. I I seem I seem to read into it a lot, and that's my issue. I read into a lot of things, and I guess that's how far I came just so I can survive on this front. Uh, even though, you know, like your mom had that past, this scar that never goes away, it will always reopen. Yeah. And still hurt. Same any scar, no matter what, you know, type of life you had, and you had a rough life, abusive life, any type of life, it's a scar. It's PTSD, and, and it's something that you have to live with yourself. With it, if you don't live with it and accept it, then you can't live with yourself. You end up, you know, committing suicide, which I have thought that so many times. So suicidality comes with the, it's you know, suicidality and and homicidality. I've noticed on my own end, you know, like uh, feelings um, accompany PTSD, man, and I think that. It's. I never got down with the the system asking if you were like, are you feeling like you want to hurt yourself or someone else? It's like, I got PTSD. What the fuck do you think? Textbook fucking dummy. Well, you know what? I would never hurt someone else unless I see them beating on a white, on a man, on a woman. I would beat the fuck out of them. But um, that's probably why I would have, I'm the only time I would hurt someone in a specific way. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that I would just want to go hurt random people. I'm not saying that. I'm, I feel like you do, but I feel like, you know, most people... I'm not saying that because I see my dad do it, so my dad, it would turn out to be that I would see my dad and I would have to be the hell out of But anyway, that's just uh, for, for we're talking, but um, 
you know, like I said, you know, I, I grew up the sons of New York City. I grew up on the streets. I rode the train for a day, to, you know, for tourists. And again, that was, you know, that's like an area. I mean, I was like, you know, I would take the number one, number eight trains from up and down Manhattan, you know, whatever. You know, the IRT train. Uh, until he got arrested. I didn't know he was a serial killer. Um, I, I lived in the streets a lot. I hanged out at the CCTV because the getting streets go to slum. You lived in the area they called Suicide Slum. That was like where Jack Kirby was from, right? You lived in that same yeah. area. And there's a lot of shit going on down there. You know, we're, we both spent time in Manhattan. We both have this connection. Uh, we both have ties to, you just saw it, an earlier time scene. You yeah. tell, us, tell us about that, what that was like. Well, being going down in uh, um, the village of Manhattan, actually, I, I was born on the street, which is Bowery. And um, I, uh, I grew up, and my father was an alcoholic, abusive man. My mother was a Cherokee. My dad was European. He would beat up on my mom, myself, for no reason, no fair reason. I kept a, I was a runaway, kind of like CBGBs, um, with a fake ID. Sometimes I did in uh, Italy. You don't know the bar, we let me in the back. So I got photo popping one of the shows that went on the CBGBs, all the dance. Um, I was approached by Lemmy. By Lemmy. You're talking about Lemmy. Yeah, Kim Noster. Yeah. Uh, he came overhead. He was very young at the time. Um, very skinny, very young, and uh, he grabbed me. He thought I was uh, older than what I looked, even though my body grew faster than my brain. Um, he tried raping me and left a lot of bruises. Almost broke my hip. And I was saved by one of uh, one of the house angels, house angels members. He got his ass whooped by house angels, you know, people. He ended up in the hospital. They they both ended up in jail. I ended up in the hospital with the bruises. And you're breaking up just a little bit. Yes. Um, you ended up in the hospital with bruises. You said bruises and almost a broken. And that's what Lemmy did to you? Lemmy Killmaster, you're saying, did that? Yeah, he did. And do you feel like that was a common thing back then for, like, these guys that were in rock bands to kind of do this kind of shit? Well, no. I mean, he... No, I never got approached by any other band members that I've seen there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of different bands. And he was... He, he didn't only did it to me. He did it to other women. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Do you think, he like, at, at least it was common with him to do this thing? Yes. When he was drunk, he would grab them and abuse them. Now, some women, I don't know if they accepted him. Some women fought him off. Um, I, on the other hand, being young, he did not know that, um, took advantage of me and started uh, to forcefully uh, have intercourse with me. I screamed, and it was, I couldn't, I screamed so much that because of the crowd of the people, you, you 
can't hear someone's drink. It's so fucking loud. It's like, it's CBGB. It, when it's activated, it's fucking... But because one of the band, one of the members of the uh, Hells Angels were there watching a band, saw this, found it, found it suspicious, and he approached him. I mean, said, what the fuck are you doing? And he said, mind your own business. And he right away, the uh, member of Hells Angels knew right away that he was trying to rape me because I said, I yelled out for help. And he grabbed him by the neck, dragged him out of the club and right in the alleyway and beat the fuck out of him. So the other members of Hells Angels, I think it was another or two more guys, beat the fuck out of him. Of course, the cops came, you know, got arrested. I ended up going to the hospital. Haley passed out. Haley was unaware of what was going on because there were so many people. It was very loud. And when Haley saw the cops, he said, oh, shit, you know, I worry that he would lose his liquor license because I was underage. So I did not I did lie that I was not underage. It was a fake ID. So I protected Haley. And that was how Lemmy got off by default. So, because you were helping someone else, basically. Yeah, of, of course. And it wasn't necessarily because you. It's you obviously didn't want to get popped, but you really did it for a good yeah. intention. You know. Yes, I meant it for really. I felt bad. I did not want to be the cause of it. Um. And I, I lived with that, but Hells Angels protected me ever since then, even though I was a runaway, and they found out that my dad would beat me and everything. So they protected me, and... They, they kept your dad me. away from you, too? No, they took my... Yeah, they kept him away from me, but they never hit him or anything, because they knew he was an alcoholic, he was my dad. Yeah. And I don't talk to him. I did not want my father um, to know that I was with them. I, I thought that, you know, I don't know. At that time when I was young, I didn't know right from wrong. I, I, all I know is that, you know, I think it, my mother would have worried because I was with this gang. And I did not want her to know. She did not know. She thought I was, she knew I was a runaway. She knew I had bravery to to escape danger or to hide. I was very good in hiding. Um, food, the neighbors would give me food. Uh, Wendy Williams bought me food. Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics. Yeah, from the Plasmatics bought me She's food. fucking awesome, right? Yeah, she's a sweet lady. She's totally different from stage, off stage. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Different personalities. And she was a sweet woman. She took me under her wing and she bought me food. And she said that, do you have a place to stay? I said, yeah, I do. I didn't want no one to worry about me. So basically, I was on my own. But yet, those angels was around. And I saw them around because you would hear them with their Harley. So I'm like, oh, God. You know, I, I asked kind of saved me who ended up to be my boyfriend. I asked him, did you have these guys? And he's like, he had a motorcycle, like, not that far away. And it's very loud. 
And he says, yeah, I imagine watching opium. And then we can be right to the rest of, you know, the restoration. And, Wendy O was friends with the Hells Angels? No, she was not. They, th there was no connection there? No, there was no connection. Did she, did you ever tell her about, because she obviously, Plasmatics and Motorhead played together and shit. Yeah, uh, she, yes, she did find that out eventually. You, you um, eventually told her about it. I don't know what she found out, but I'm sure she found out. Uh, it wasn't through you, though. No, she found out through someone else. I think, I don't know, Shail Kelly told her, or someone else in the club told her. I don't know. Huh. All I know is that I was doing myself. I try to keep it as low as I can because of Hilly's sake. Um, like I said, it, it, you know, things do leak out. Yeah, and well, it's New York City. Yeah, There's a lot of leaky like, shit around there. Yeah. At that time, everybody knew somebody. And uh, and that's it. You know, basically, a Hell's Angel guy that protected me, and, you know, as I got older, ended up falling in love with me, even though he was six years apart. And then uh, we got married, and then uh, I couldn't have intimacy with him because I had flashbacks. So my brain was damaged, and um, 17 years of marriage, you know, we decided to have a kid, and it wasn't through intimacy, it was more just through him. Um, and then he died of a heart attack 10 years ago. And uh, I'm still protector under oath with Hells Angels. So, but that's only under oath, so I still have these aliases. I'm still being watched, except for even at my old age. So, so no one's really coming up to fuck with you without, they have to know, you're yeah. protected. Yeah, they have to know, they know, they know they tap my phones, they tap my computers, they know. They also, they're hackers as well, they know their shit, but not, but not um, they're not the type of people that, you know, they don't miss any little thing. That's how it works. They are, if they had an oath with my husband, they will keep it till the day I die. Until, you know, until, that's it. I mean, that's basically how it works. Huh. And so that's how I've been living. And I've been living under this, uh, you know, this guise of, uh, you know, protection. And, and nobody knows who I am. I thought I look totally different than what uh, people think I am. When, I don't know where I come from. Well, uh, is it okay to talk about what you do for work? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a respiratory therapist. I went to college. I studied at California College. We we drove across, you know, America when we after we got married. Those angels and my husband, we drove to California. I took two years of schooling over there. And became a respiratory therapist in California. Came back to New York, been working for 30 years. I've seen it all. And um, that's it, you know, that's my life. It's simple as that. Um, I really, you know, going back to that time, I have a lot of hatred, even, uh, you know, even I don't like songs, I don't like his albums, 
have a lot of hatred towards him. Yeah. Um, uh, Pastor died, and a lot of people loved him. Anyone that says anything on my Facebook account about him, I'm like, he's an asshole. His music sucks. He's a real dick. Why would anybody fucking do that? Well, people people don't know what he did wrong. Oh, you know, oh okay. I see. They're just... don't know what he did wrong. The people that know that he did something wrong is the people that he raped. The women that he raped. Have you ever talked to these other women? No. I think I was too young. They were older women. They were probably, probably at the age of 18. I was still 13, 14. It just makes me wonder, like, these older women, I understand with you, you're a kid. And you're in a compromising-ass position, man, in the middle of fucking New York City with, you know, your friend who owns a bar and all this other shit. And you don't want to lose her license. And I get that. But don't you think that's a little strange that these other women, like, not one of them ever comes forward to say something about this? If it was... And a lot of women loved him. A lot of women wanted to have his baby, which I think there was a woman that did have a baby. I'm not sure where she is. You're shitting me, man. He had an offspring through a rape? He had an offspring from a rape, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you have to understand, a lot of these band members have groupies, okay? Yeah. Especially him, of all people. And he's a scumbag. And, um... But for him to attack a woman by surprise, just because he's, you know, a band member or whatever the hell, and not even knowing if she says no, she means no, you know? She's not interested in you, okay? It doesn't, you don't need to force her on you. You don't do that. And now, those women that do, or, yeah, of course. I'm not surprised there's an offspring. I heard there was, I don't know how many more. But. Oh, wow. He was, type of man. he was that type of man that he will fuck anyone, or rape anyone, even on the middle of the street. He was that type of man. He was a low life scum. I made him famous. Is, yeah, well, yeah, you know, he made good music. Big deal, so does everybody else. But, you know, he had a lot of groupies, and maybe one of those groupies talked a lot and whatever. And he probably confused me as one of them. I don't know, because I never hanged out with him. I was just hanging out in the bar, moving on business, you know, and just watching who's going to play next and yada yada. And here I am. I'm like, this fucking guy grabs me and, like, he thinks I'd like him. Like, no, you know, get off of me. I'm like, Can you say that part again? I'm sorry, I couldn't say that I again. I hurt his hair so much from fighting him off that I had a little hand in my hair. In my hand. Oh wow, you fucking ripped his fucking scalp out. I did. I, I scalped him. That's fucking pretty. Well, you had it fucking coming, man. I had his fucking hair, and I mean bushels. I I ripped his hair, and he's fucking punching me like he's need to stop pulling his hair. I grabbed his hair, and I mean, I kind of like knotted it around my fist, 
the fullest head and the bottle. Because that's, you know, it's like almost like, you know, Charlie's too. Yeah, you're, you're going straight for the scalp, man. That's what you do. Yeah. So I fucking <laughs> <laughs> at him. He was bald in that spot. And I saw him one time. I don't know if he, he, he probably did some, some shit there to grow hair. I don't know. It's pretty wild to hear it, man. It's pretty wild to hear it, you know? I was like, I was like, it's not my hair, because my hair was really black as his. You know, my hair was sharply black. Just as long as his. Mine was longer. But he didn't grab my hair. He was mostly concentrating on my topic. And he first, he almost broke my head, let's put it that way. Luckily, he didn't. It didn't came to that point. He's lucky you didn't fucking kill his ass. But then you would have ended up in Rikers. This guy's stronger. Yeah. I, I was a, a, I was a, a preteen. I was like 13, 14. They would have charged you as an adult, though, and they would have thought the ID was legit. You would have yeah, kept the, the problem, same story. The problem is problems with the ID was a fake ID, and it happened on the property of the hill of the CBTV. I did not want Hillary to be in trouble. Yeah, you you weren't down okay. with your buddy getting. I couldn't take that chance because then he would have closed shop. He was already in trouble with a lot of fucking penalties and summons. It's a good thing you didn't fucking kill him. So I pulled his hair at a chunk. I mean, I wrapped it around my hair. I his hair out. And I actually showed up at the hospital. Okay, you're breaking up just a little bit. So I showed up at the hospital with his hair and. They were saying to me, is that your hair? I said, no, it was the guy that was just trying me. And, um, you know, I just, I dropped it right there at the hospital. I think the hospital was called St. Vincent's at the time. Is that like over the, the 14th and 1st area? I think it was on 13th Street and uh, I think um, not 1st Avenue. It was like uh, two blocks away from, I think it was uh, two blocks away from 8th Avenue. I keep so thinking about Beth Israel, but I don't think that's it. No, no, that's it. It's not anymore there. They closed off the hospital. Oh, okay. They closed it off from many years ago. I think, it, I think the last time they were open was uh, 9-11. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a while ago now. Other than that, um, yeah, luckily, he, he bruised me a lot. He sprained my hip. He sprained my hip. Fucking Lemmy. I couldn't walk straight after that because... Uh, I felt like my bone kind of like, kind of like displaced a little bit, but it took time to heal. Yeah. But anyway, but um, yeah, you know, so we got a dad's whoop, like Hell's Angels, and really whoop. And let me tell you something. Um, I got, and I'm gonna tell you this, and nobody knows this, okay? Okay. Jimmy, uh, Joey, Ramon, which is you know Jeffrey Hyman. Yeah, um, Jeffrey Hyman. Joey Ramon got beaten up at Flushing Station. But nobody knows. You're breaking up. I'm sorry. Joey Ramon got, Joey Ramon got um, beat up at the Flushing train station. At the Flushing train station? Yeah, where he lives. He lives in Flushing. That's the train station. Yeah. He gets lost. He got beaten up. And he got beaten up. Um, uh, skinheads, uh, you know, punk skinheads, and really badly. 
nobody knows about this. I, I found this out. And um, I didn't know about it. He was out for a while. But he got pregnant, so it was, it was bad, but it was, it was, he, he recovered. He recovered. But, um, yeah, there were some skinheads back then, too. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so much for that. But, um, yeah, that's the whole story about, you know, growing up in New York City during the late 60s, early 70s, throughout the 70s, frankly, all the way up to, all the, way up to the early 80s. All this shit was going on. And people were like, you know, thinking that, oh, it's just an act, all part of an act. Well, shit, it wasn't. You know? And and groupies, yeah, there, there was groupies. Of course there were groupies. But they all got raped. And they all have, you know, offsprings. And, oh, yeah, my baby is a, you know, a big deal. You know? Who gives a fuck? Yeah. He raped you, man. You know? Like, what the fuck? You know? And what are you doing now? You know? I mean, the guy, you're not going to get any money from the guy. He's not going to fucking, uh, you know, he, I'm sure Well, he's, he's fucking maggot meat now. <laughs> I never paid child support anyway. You know? And then if he did, you know, he still, he still owed a lot in child support. He was a scumbag anyway. So much for that. But, um, it is it is weird to hear it, man. You know, it's kind of like the same feeling I got. Did you ever hear that Hunter S. Thompson made a fucking uh, a snuff film and killed uh, kids in it with an actual star? And he did it at Bohemian Grove. And that's that Hell's Angels connection because he had written Hell's Angels before that and fucked the Hell's Angels over and didn't pay them the money that he had promised them through this deal that he had. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, they beat the shit out of him, which oh, actually okay. made it into the book. That's true. Hell's Angels, you don't mess around. You don't fuck with them. They will kill you. Yeah, my mom, too. You know, she's uh, also, you know, been with them for... she's She wasn't a Hell's Angels, but she was like you more on the end where they knew who she was, they had a respect, they had a mutual thing. Uh-huh. My mom actually rode bikes, you know, with the motherfuckers. So, you know, I know that she's... My mom's badass, dude, you know. She's just... I know. Believe me, I, I do know because of the fact that... Well, I never rode a bike. I was right with them. So, I never rode a bike. I was right with them, especially with my boyfriend. So, we rode a lot. But I, I can never I can never hold the bike. You couldn't hold the bike up, right? <laughs> See, my mom looks like a fucking meat stacker fucking, you know, she's just like, Arr. you know, she's just this really built woman. You can't tell. She sounds all sweet and fucking like, but that's not, you know, don't let that fool you, man. She'll, she, she even though she's laid up, man, she'll still fucking give you a fucking, she'll, she'll fuck you over. <laughs> I'm telling the listener more of that out there than any, but than you, but you know, hey. Uh, you know, I'm just glad that you guys got to talk, and I'll I'll see what I can edit out of there. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to to tell this story. And you know, I I I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm okay with everything with the anonymous. I've had a couple anonymous people on the air uh, or aliases. 
and it's okay with me, you know. I don't know anybody's shit, and feds can fucking fuck off. Straight up. And I'll tell them straight up, they can fuck you. Because they, they're worthless, man. <laughs> and nothing changed, obviously, so even where in 2022, it still feels like fucking nothing coming. Uh-huh. The feds are still fucking just losers that fucking use too much hairspray. You know? Yeah, it's like, dude, give me a break, man. You know, you guys yeah. just waste taxpayers' fucking money. You're more worried about fucking hunting social media than you are getting off your fucking ass and actually doing some goddamn work for once. You know, oh, oh God forbid. Because Lemmy, technically guys like Lemmy, they should have been fucking prosecuted after the first attempt, you know. Uh, and I... I do have, like, I am opinionated about how women should have to be able to come forward. They should have to come forward. It's like if it happened to you, but the, it needs to be reciprocated where there's someone that actually cares and is listening on the other end. And the law doesn't always have to be this fucking cold-ass fucking thing. I think back in the 70s, you know, it was just like cops were getting paid off. And I think there's still the payoff today. It's just in a different way. Well, women don't come forth right now because of the fact that you have to understand um, they're living in a life of a flight. It happened in the past. I don't want it to be remembered because if they're embarrassed that they have came across to something like this. And that has to do with their family and friends. And they may say fear of losing family and friends and being judged. Oh, yeah, probably she deserves it because she probably was able to be. No, it's not that. So people look at things differently. That's why I'm not afraid of telling the truth. Because I really have nothing to lose. So. You know, I'm glad too. um, Completely. uh, I don't know. They feel like they need to hide it. And, and bury it. If, if you don't let the world know that this is what's happening, and it's still happening today, you know, it's not going to get fixed. Yeah, this is something that I think specifically the safety of women and children, and you know, because it happens to little girls and boys, and it's like these levels of pedophilia. It goes into rape. It goes into like these things that go beyond levels of what is uh, legal or consensual. And uh-huh. it's like, I, I remember, you know, this, remember All in the Family? Remember that show? Yes. There was an episode called e- Edith's 50th Birthday. Uh-huh. And this guy breaks into their house and tries to rape Edith. And the same guy, like, tried to ra- uh, rape uh, Gloria. Yes. Uh, they have an ID on the guy. Gloria doesn't want to do it. It even throws, like, this kind of, like, tantrum where Edith has to slap her. It's a very emotional uh, scene that they caught at that same, ironically, at the same time period that this kind of violation happened to you. You know, and and in these like early fucking like pre-punk ass fucking days, and you know it was like brand new shit. This idea of punk and groupies and 
Yeah, and and you have to understand these shows back then were actually showing this for the people that what this is what is going on. Yeah. And people weren't aware at that time because they think it's a show. No, the show is actually telling you this is what's happening today. Like many shows this is what's going to happen in the future. Okay? And people just said, ah, I'm not going to bullshit. Well, you know what? Maybe bullshit, it could be a premonition, it could be, it could be a sign. But you should listen because you never know it will happen. Yeah. That's, and that's what I'm trying to explain to you. People are ignorant. People just, you know, what can I say? Well, it, we're getting it out there, you know. I feel like I hope they do change this law. And on the law side, there becomes like a sensitivity to the person that has been violated and raped, you know. And I hope that on this one end, uh, you know, that that happens. But, you know, also that there, it may not be popular to feel it. But, you know, I hope that there's this idea where... Uh, you know, women need to feel like they need to know that the law is is there, but also that they need to come forward. And regardless of the humility and degradation that the individual goes through, uh, they should have to come forward by law because it has to be able to protect other people out there. And it has to make sure, you know, Lemmy shouldn't have had a chance to do it again. And there should have been that law, and I hate saying should have, but there should have been that law so that he couldn't have done it again. You know, and a safety, like I said, I think that's one of the reasons people don't come forward. Not only because of their own family turning against them for whatever, like, ignorant reasons. But also, because uh, that's when family should be there the most, obviously. That it's kind of a common sense no-brainer to me. Yeah. You know, uh, people, they're going to be, you'll know they're legit by the fruits that they're bearing, you know. And uh, Lemmy should not have had a chance to, you know, according to what you're telling me, he shouldn't have had a chance, in my opinion, then yes. to be a repeat offender. And you know it's yes. it's on the law, and it's and I hate to say that it's on the women that it got violated. It's like adding insult to injury on some level, but on another end, you're saving someone's life because what you know the next time he's even more violent, he's punching you. You got fucking fistful of his fucking hair. I mean, you're about to fucking descalpalize this motherfucker, you know. Yeah. And it's like. He shouldn't have been in that position to even get to your ass like that. Obviously, you weren't his first. And it doesn't sound like you were his last. And that's a damn fucking shame. You were a kid. And then he writes the song Jailbait. And he can't, and he just can't wait. And then I hear this fucking shit. And I'm like, what kind of fucking fucked up guy is this motherfucker? And how come I can't have one fucking hero left? What the fuck's wrong with this shit, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, where where's the hero? You're the hero now. You know, it, it turned, that's the reality of it. You know, reality, it's like, we want this delusional shit. Rock and roll. This fucking, uh, hey, Lemmy's a good guy. 
and you never, you never, you know, the worst crime he ever had was collecting fucking Nazi World War Two memorabilia, I guess. Yeah, he was, a, he was a fucking uh, skinhead. He was a Nazi guy. And he, Nazi. when you hear the rape thing, that's yeah. definitely part of the fucking conditioning of yeah. the, the superiority complex. I have a funny feeling, and don't get me wrong, but I have suspicions that he was part of beating up Joey Ramone at the Boston train station. You think that he fucking had Joey Ramone jumped? Yes, I won't be surprised he sent out skinheads to kick his ass. Have you ever seen that picture of Joey and Lemmy hanging out? Yeah, I saw that picture of Joey and Lemmy hanging out. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Because Joey doesn't know it was him that probably laid out the hit. And you think it was because Lemmy's a fucking Nazi and he's like, hey, Joey's a Jew. Yeah, he's a fucking Nazi. Yes, he is. He just went straight he's for it. He is. He's a skinhead. He just doesn't show it because it's not good for his image. I can't believe like Wendy O didn't just beat the shit out of him for that. No, he didn't know anything until after. And then she realized what kind of person he was. It was too late when she found out. That's fucked. Everything, everything was secret because I, for Haley's sake, for the bar owner's sake, everything was secret. Wow. That's disturbing, man. There's some disturbing American History X, but you gave me the exclusive, and I appreciate it, man. You know, I mean, okay. I feel like... I hope, I hope women do come forth and, and actually, you know, if they were their groupie or not, I hope women do come forth and tell what he has done to them. Think about, look, here's they are the, the one thing I can only tell the victim, man. Is don't be don't be afraid to fucking turn these motherfuckers in, and don't be afraid. And you know because you got to think about someone. Would you want this to happen to someone else? Because no, no, not at all. And um, and that's it. That's what I want people to think about here. And whether they're like being violated or not, this is like the conscious kind of awakening that we we're coming into in the in our place here on Earth, in time, in the universe, you know? It is kind of like this Carl Sagan 21st century shit, you know? But we really, you know, you gotta fucking just... You gotta use common sense. I think that's the thing. No matter what the time period is and what the fucking condition is, man. And I think that, you know, once that reverberation, you can get a breath... From being violated, God forbid it ever happens to anybody. From here out, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. it's just to, to think, you know, one in four people have been sexually violated. Did you know that's the ratio? Yes. yes one in one in four people. That you know, you're looking at a stadium full of people, man. A lot, you know, it's like if you went to fucking some Pink Floyd show and or Metallica, it's like one in four people. It doesn't, the ratio doesn't change just because you're at a metal show versus a, a psychedelic show, and it doesn't change what the the realities that people aren't always what they fucking seem, you know. And uh, I try to be honest on my show about what kind of fucking person I am. And I, you know, hey, that I've had fallings outs and stuff. I'm not perfect, and we're not perfect. But there is this line of of shit, 
I guess it's just up to the opinion of the individual, but there's this line of, of fucking shit scrimmage that, that you fucking just can't... Obviously, the Hells Angels feel the same fucking way I do about it, you know? It's like... Yeah, and, yeah, they got manpower, <laughs> you know? But, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, if girls can actually, you know, want to be fucked, you know, they're groupies, they want to be fucked by these guys, yeah. you know, fine. But don't force yourself on any girl unless she doesn't want to. And basically, you know, he got, you know, that man. I guess what bothered him the most that I didn't wasn't paying attention to him. So he just took the opportunity of taking advantage of him. But he kept coming back to New York. He just kept, did he live in New York at that time? Is that what it was? Yeah, he was living in New York. Yeah, I don't know where exactly. Do you feel like because of all the fucking bullshit he did in New York, that was well, one of the reasons that, he went to... Girls, I think he, he knew all the girls were after him. That he knew. What happens is that it bothered him when there are girls that weren't interested in him. And I guess he that's where he went after. The ones that didn't care for him. And I was one of those. I didn't care for him. And I didn't like his music. I was into hardcore punk. He was not hardcore punk. He was a metal. Yeah, it was metal. Okay? It was, was metal. I was into his music. Yeah. So I guess it bothered him so much that the girls that were into hardcore punk, he, he says, oh, well, you know, well, I, I got my groupies. Yeah, I want more and more and more. Yeah. And of course, he tried to force himself on women like that. He didn't care for him. He didn't like him. He wasn't even sexy at the time. He's not even, he never been sexy even now when he recently died. He never been sexy. The guy is an ugly schmuck. I mean, there was nothing about the guy that's attractive or appealing. Okay? I mean, God, you know, the guy was a, a, a real fucking schmuck. I mean, he, there was nothing appealing about him. That's why a lot of intelligent women weren't bothered by him. They didn't like him. I guess that's what you went after. He had his groupies. He could have been happy with his groupies. But no, he had books of what he wanted more and more and more. And that's how he was. He said, I want to be number one. Did you, uh. You didn't, you never knew Ron Jeremy, right? Yeah, I met Ron Jeremy. He was another asshole. Yeah. Stay away from him. Yo, well, he, you can't go near him now. I mean, he's in the Twin Towers in LA fucking doing. I, I, I Three life that, sentences. I, it was a long time ago. I knew who he. I knew who he was from the beginning. I, I was already told by to stay away from him. I knew who he was from the beginning. He never approached me. I never. I never. He never bothered with me or anything. I never bothered with him. I kept far distance. But um, Lemmy was a different story. He grabbed me. I was going to say, did he remind you of Lemmy? No, actually, he no, because he he never approached me. He never approached me. He never, we never had any communication or contact or anything. I mean, we, I knew who he was because it was from a far away. You know, people would say, oh, yeah, there goes uh, Jeremy. And, uh, you know, there goes Ron. And everybody, that's what people would say. But Lemmy was the type of guy that you could be at the bar having a soda pop. And he'll squeeze himself within someone else that you're talking to and say, hey, what are you, you new here? What's your name? And I'm like, <laughs> Like, am I talking to you? Like, where the fuck did you come out of? Just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, that was the type of guy he was. He would throw himself on you. If he's interested in, in, in a woman, he will throw himself on her. 
he would he would not be interested in the groupies because he knows he has them on a chain. But for someone like me or any other woman that was just there to have a good time, you know, enjoy the party, meet new people, you know, regular people, regular ladies, you know, he would throw themselves at them. And that's what I saw a lot, you know, and then he picked, he picked the wrong person. Like you rapist know? narcissism. That's what he was. He was a rapist narcissist, right? I mean, yeah. because he always went after the one that didn't give a fuck. That's what you're saying. Right, right. So he that's like this level of narcissism. Interest. If no one showed any interest, he would go after him. That's some straight-up fucking, like, yeah. predator motherfucker, women, man. Jerry Ramon, there are a lot of women there that had crushes for Jerry Ramon. Even though he, if there, he, he didn't have much groupies. And it would bother him. It would bother him, and that's why I have a funny feeling that he sent the skinheads, his own people, his own Nazis, to beat the fuck out of him. That's fucked up, man. Yeah, that were those the words were going around, and I said, "Oh man, that's sad." They left him really bad and injured, but he recovered. If that's but, oh my god, nobody knew who it was because. This was all planned by, you know, by planning. This information's not really out there except for, like, select people from your time yeah, period. He's that so are blinded by his music. Oh, he's the greatest guitarist. Oh, he's the great metallic metal guy. Fuck that. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. Okay? He's nothing like any other guys in the band. I mean, yes, there are guys in the band that have the groupies. Yeah. You have your orgies, fine. But you don't go handpicking them off a crowd and forcing yourself on them. You don't do that. Man, I gotta say, in an age where we've had the Trump dump and all this other fucking bullshit happening to, to mankind and yeah, with all the fucking shit, and to fucking hear this shit, it's just... Oh, <laughs> when are we going to get, <laughs> when do me, certain people get breaks, you know, or like people like me? <laughs> if people praise them till today, I say, I say it on, I see it on Facebook, he's a scumbag, his music sucks. Oh, why would you say that? Because he does, he's a skinhead. He may have long hair, he may not look like a skinhead, he's a fucking Nazi. He was a Nazi. He was. He was an undercover Nazi. An, an undercover Nazi, man. What in the... And had fucking okay. Joey Ramone uh, beaten. I mean, that's just... That fucking shit... We hadn't even talked about that before. So, you know, I'm just sitting here fucking appalled out of my my head. Just to, Nobody knew what really happened. Who did it? You know? Nobody knew... There was no, like, concrete fucking evidence that was like, hey, Killmeister did this shit. And you know, he when you see these the memes God. too, people are like, oh, the God of Rock, and da 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 da. And... He's no God. He's a demon of Rock. He's a fucking skinhead of all skinheads. He's an undercover skinhead. He kept his hair so nobody was suspected. Wow, That's man. How it works. That's how you call an undercover skinhead. That's why you watch out. You have to look out for them. Okay? Yeah. And he was one of them. That is fucking hardcore. 
That's a hardcore fucking thing to hear. And I'm probably like one of these people that, you know, of course you've known your whole life and this, this kind of, this doesn't go away. You're carrying this fucking bullshit this motherfucker put on your ass. Uh, and that, lots of money. He was a fucking pedophile. I mean, you know, I can understand you rape your own or be groupies. You know, they want to be raped. They want to have your baby. Hey, more power to you. But don't do it because you don't care for the fucking poor people. All right? And he did it because it annoyed him. It annoyed him. It annoyed him very much that he didn't get all that attention. So that's the truth. And the truth fucking hurts. It's hurting me. I believe you. You know, and it, and it, it, I got no reason not to fucking believe you. And the, with a, such a detailed encounter that you went through, and the Hell's Angels, obviously, as this living proof that you're protected ever since the, these early days. Uh, you know, it, hey man. I've got no reason to doubt this story. Uh, it's upsetting. It's upsetting uh, on so many fucking levels. And like I was going to say, I'm probably like a lot of these guys that, these people, men and women, that love Lemmy and have no idea that this is this fucking reality. I hope your story gets out there. Uh, I don't know... Um, can like specific things come back and bite you in the ass? Uh, like as far as like, uh, you know, is your friend still operating a liquor license, or is there like some statute of limitations? Oh, no, not anymore. You retired. So you know, CBGB's is closed. Yeah, he died. He retired and then he died. They tried to move CBGB to Las Vegas, and then that was failed, right? <laughs> Yeah. But then they can reopen it. But um, his uh, he 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 closed it down mid nineties, and then he retired, and then he died. His his daughter became a lawyer, and that's it. You know. Yeah. He was running the place with money. You know. So you're really just revealing these things that you feel a level of safety on with the exposure that you'll give in the future. Yeah, that's why I'm not afraid to say anything now because I'm not. Lemmy's dead and fucking Illy's dead, so I don't, I don't fucking have to fear anything anymore. You know, like for like somebody like Dave Grohl, who was like a big time Lemmy pusher. What would you, what would you say to to him? Would you like just say it the same way that you just said it here on the show? Like, hey, fuck this no, guy. He, he fucking blinded you. Yeah. He fucking blinded you with a white sheet. All you saw was his glory. That you didn't see anything ugly about it. See, behind all that glory, all that sunshine, you gotta squint real hard to see that fucking evilness. And that's what Lemmy was capturing. That big sunshine. That big sunshine to blind the people so they don't see his ugliness. His fucking skinhead. 
That is that, just... That's a fucking motherfucker. He's, I, he hit it pretty well. He hit it pretty well. He knew how he was doing it. He said it himself. People are suckers. Many times he said it. And you could hear him say over and over again. People are suckers. They fall for everything. I'm glad that's the fucking why, truth's coming out, man. That's how everybody prays. I'm glad you're revealing the truth. I'm glad that you did it here, and I'm glad you, you. I'm glad we had had the chance to talk beforehand, and you know, I, it wasn't anything I was going to push. Not that I didn't want, not to support you, not like that, but uh, you know, push you into like, hey, you know, do you want to do this? I, you know, it. That's not what you're doing with this kind of sensitive information, man, and. And, you know, to reveal it, it does take a lot of strength, and uh, I really am sorry that this motherfucker violated you the way that time could not dismiss, you know? No, I can't, and he's dead, which I'm glad. I'm glad he's dead. He deserves to die. He's probably in hell. Oh, um, yeah. Well, and he's you... paying for it. And I'll tell you, when I die, I definitely will meet him again. I will put that fucking pitchfork right through his eye. Because he deserved it. Well, you know, we get that fucking uh, diplomatic immunity and we get to go into hell to advocate some people that we need to take to heaven. And then sometimes to go and punish those motherfuckers too, you know, that fucked us around. Yep. I got my own. Believe me. <laughs> I got my own. I'll be punishing these motherfuckers too. You know, I'll see you down there. We'll we'll have a coffee break. We'll have, we'll meet on the eighth circle. It's nice. I like the visuals sometimes of seeing bad guys getting fucked over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right now he's on his knees begging the demon. Don't let him come back. Oh yeah, they're haunting his ass for yeah. for a fucking yeah, hot I minute. Yeah, he's get he's he's getting haunted, and you know if he went that far, who knows what else the fuck he did? You know. Yeah, he did probably many things. We don't know. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like he would. It it was like this power tripping ass shit, and it sucks to even think that fucking uh, filthy or fucking um, these other guys would have followed suit. And acted like that too, or whatever. But uh, I hope the fuck that they didn't. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause then that just it it just it comes out to more widespread corruption. I guess that's really what we're looking at though here in the future, and just like the unveiling. And you know, younger people do need to hear this shit because people back then at our age they didn't fucking listen. You know? For the most part, you're right. You know, I have had a few kids, though. Are you there? Okay, I hope this is coming out. 
I don't have a way to figure out if it is. <laughs> but we do have like seven minutes left. And uh, we did almost a whole hour. Can you believe it? We finally... Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I do That's want... A I like how honest you are. I really want you to come back. I hope we do a project together. You know that? Yes. yes. You're someone that I just think is a very amazing person. I think it takes a lot of audacity to do that. And I like how you what you had said to me uh, during your first phone call. You're like, hey, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for someone who knows the shit, who knows what they want to, you know, say and mean it. Yes. And obviously, I... I give a fuck about what you're going through and, you know, um, on one end it is like this, like, oh, listen to this fucking, you know, it's like, uh, but it, cause it is like this fucking huge ass fucking thing, but it is this exclusive kind of look at like how fucking, uh, you know, the dirt just gets swept under the rug. And when you see these, you know, Minus the people that he actually had hurt along the way, everybody else is obviously blinded and oblivious. And there's this level of like, hey, you know, you're not, <laughs> there's not the serious kind of, you know, uh, there's not a serious, more serious look at just how fucking detrimental this kind of shit is on, and, and to hide it. You know, it's easy to think that the U.S. government's doing that shit. It's really kind of harder to think that your favorite entertainer is doing that shit. You know, people don't want to think Tom Hanks is a pedophile or any of this shit. There's obviously proof out there, you know, that these guys, they hit levels of power. They do have this kind of, like, registered level of, like, white supremacist fucking bullshit going on with their ass. You know? Yeah. They're violators. I know. It's sad. It's sad. I think it. we gotta let people know. What do you want to say to women that have been in your, at your age... That God forbid they're they're that age now, but what would you want to say to them if they have been hurt? What would? Because we're wrapping it I up here. I would definitely tell them, don't hold back. Come forth, tell the truth. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be judged. Don't be afraid of your families keeping it hush. You gotta bring it forth. You gotta let the public know all the problems issues that you're going through from being molested, raped, or any other way of abuse. You cannot let your family hold you back. You cannot let judgment hold you back. You have to come forth, bring it on to other women to hear you so their future women would not go through the same problem that you have gone through. Because once you go through it, it will always be with you till the day you die. There's nothing that will change that. It's a scar, and the scar will always remain there until you die. And that's how it works. I want them to move forward and tell the people, you 
you have the right to tell the people. Don't be afraid who it is. No one should be afraid that they're going to kill you for saying it. Don't be afraid. You have to put it out there. You have to educate the public to be aware of what's going on. So not hide it. That's what I want to tell the women of today, even men too, because men get raped as well. Yep. And I had to disclose my own uh, story on an episode called The 72-Hour Hold. Uh, you know, people can go back and listen to it. It has had a lot of listens on it. I think people hear it and they're like, whoa, you know. And uh, I actually do record it at a mental health in- intake. I was in the state of Washington, so I had to get consent to record it, but I told them I... You know, it was my mental health advocate under state law. So I was able to record it as an episode. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying everybody's as clever as all that, but if you can record somebody, uh, do it, man. If you can protect yourself, I talked about on the school episode about the advantages of TikTok and things like this uh, that can actually protect. You can use it to fuck shit up. Be a narcissistic fucking ego asshole. Many people do that. <laughs> uh, you know, but if you want to help people out, you know, that's a good idea too. And it's never a bad idea. Just make sure your your heart's pure, man, when you're doing it, you know. And, and like, just keep your mistakes real. And, you know, guys like Lemmy, they're repeat offenders, man. These guys, you know, they're they're more common in the world. And they still are, and it hasn't changed in all these decades. And I feel like, you know, it's up to us to make the fucking change, you know. Uh, What is that going to take when you have to do things by the book, too? Like uh, our friend here said, you have to come forward. And it starts there, and it starts with that level of bravery and and the acceptance that, hey, you're going to take a few punches for being violated. And uh, you have to be okay with that. And it's not fair. But in the end, uh, you paying it off pays it forward to someone else's case. And then they don't have to take those punches. You took it for them. And I think that's up to you if you want to do that, you know. That's a hard one. That's a hard call. It's up to you. How much bravery do we have, you know? But you guys... Stick around. I'm going to close this out with my mom. She's coming back in for a minute. And uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to do more with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. Hold on. Okay. Well. Hey. You talk, Mom. You talk. It was worth it, and I, I liked how at the end of the, at the end of it, she came forward and was like, "Hey, you know," because I was like in the last five minutes, and that you know, you guys just heard it, but it, once again, 
asking her what she kind of information he, she has to offer these uh, young women out there that have been or may have been or are currently going through this similar kind of thing. And her telling uh, the, the people that would be uh, victimized by these events to come forward, that's bravery, man. I, I think, you know, we have come a long way. The crime remains the same. Rape, rape's been the same. people are sweeping it under the rug and not airing their dirty laundry in public. It's going to remain the same. You have to come forward and speak about it. Even if you end up going through what I did and getting branded a pathological liar, you've got to speak about it. It's important, I mean, to say the least, you know. We are trying to evolve here, create more laws that protect people. You know, we need to be there more. You know, we're not, we're just not really doing all that we can. They've called on you, Mom. That's what duels and guns are about. Some people called on you back in the day, huh? Yep. Well, maybe we'll have that episode pretty soon. Full of a lot of violence, and I took joy in beating up women. That's coming up. We're going to have that episode. We're. And I'm glad you did that shit, you know, for me, um, it means a lot to me, mom, that you would, you know, put your story out there for specifically other women who are just sick of fucking bullshit, you know, and, uh, men need to be way more empathetic to this fucking thing and, uh, you know, and there are just, there's so many things to have to understand, like, you know, not all people are bad, not all people are good, you know, it's like, it's, tar- it's hard to tell who's who. It kind of makes things complex, you know, not everything's so cut and dry. We want a one-way formula to fucking end this kind of tyranny, but it just doesn't fucking exist. And I think, you know, it's going to be hit or miss on if the victim becomes even further victimized by the law. Or if the law will actually be there in yeah, the future. I was one of the ones that was further victimized by the law. We're going to have further conversation about that. Yeah, I distrusted the family and the police. I was just kind of screwed for a while. <laughs> You're not the only one that feels that way, Mom. And it to be continued, you know. And if you guys got a story out there... Give us a call, 206-666-5847. As you can tell, both me and my mom, we've both had our, our, our run of hard times. And now we're turning that energy that was inflicted upon us into a reservation 
for you guys as a platform. It's like community service, you know. You know what I'm going to say to end this, Mom? The Here's my fucking gutter snippet. The fucking golden treasure isn't at the end of the road just because you were a good person. It's now. It's in the moment. And that is the treasure. That's all it really is. That's my fucking snippet. And that's my mom's. <laughs> Join us next time, guys. And we will be here for you. And uh, stay tuned in. All right, we're out.